0: block and the sidelines he has not stepped out he may go all the way he needs one block and he'll do it easily
1: Promise, mess i wouldn't do this mcdavid stops up what a move shoots scores
2: Hey everybody, welcome to Podcast Eighty One. It's the Outsiders. It's Bryn Griffiths and Robin Brownley. And joining us on The Outsiders, which is brought to you by Brent McIntosh and the Macintosh group at Remax River City is Craig McTavish. Can I say when I introduce you, Mac, can I say you're from Sportsnet now?
0: Ah uh, My old colleagues at T S N would uh <laughs> cringe to hear <laughs> but, No, the Sportsnet people have been great to me and uh Obviously they have the Euler games and it gives me uh, something to do. It's been enjoyable for the last, uh, I've done a couple games with Gene, who's a wonderful guy, as you know, and an easy guy to work with. And, uh, and Bob, who's not and isn't, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, Bob's been fantastic too. So it's, uh, it's been, uh, been fun.
1: Hey, Hey, hey Mac, I got to say, congratulations after, all these years in the game and everything you've accomplished to make it to the pinnacle, the hockey media, I feel really good for you, Mac.
0: I know. I just, you know, it's amazing how enlightened I've become since I've become a, have become a card carrying member of the toughest, most intelligent uh, strata in the world, the media. <laughs>
2: Hey, if you could go back and give advice to that guy in Switzerland who was giving you those questions that led off with opinion, remember that whole episode? Would you view yeah. things differently now?
0: Yeah, well, I, 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 I looked at the guy a couple of times because I, I, I was sure it was Ryan Rashad and in the disguise. <laughs> but uh, it, but it, it wasn't. But he went to the same training school point out the most negative things Ryan and I have had a few laughs about this over the years. But, uh, yeah, when, uh, Ryan used to interview me after losses, it'd just be the, what's the worst possible thing that happened during the day. And that would be the first question. And the second question would be, what's the second worst thing that could have happened today and did happen. (laughs) But, uh, yeah, that guy, that guy was, uh, Something else, but anyways, it's when you get beat out of the playoffs. Uh, maybe you guys don't know Robin does, he played football, but uh, uh, it's it's not a great time to be uh, the coach of the team that just got eliminated.
2: Was there a little bit of a history there with that guy, too? Because it just seemed like you were ready to blow, you know what I mean?
0: Yeah, no history whatsoever. All right, just had no idea who he was. All right, (laughs) you
1: know. (laughs) you were you were around MACT a lot, as I was. See, this guy clearly he didn't pick up pick up the signals because honestly, <laughs> if you spent more than 15 minutes around MACT and he didn't like your vibe, uh he would yeah. send out, he would send out signals that told you without <laughs> you. Oh, you're you're going down the wrong road here. Maybe take a left turn somewhere. And this guy didn't get it, so I, I thought it was perfect. And I love the Rashad reference too. I mean, hey, Mac, let's face it. That is that a mandate of yours? Comment by you in the hallway outside the room that one time. I mean, that's a standing part of his intro on a radio station to this day. It was it was great.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, self-awareness is not a quality that I would say is uh, in abundance with some of the media that I've met over the years. But anyways, we carry on.
2: I, I was totally convinced there would be times where you'd want to pull the tongue out of some of the media guys instead of just Harvey. But uh, anyway, let's uh, let's move on. Yeah. Let's talk about this new challenge. So what have you learned so far? You're just kind of starting here. What, what, what's the one or two things that have stood out for you so far?
0: On, in the media trail or yeah. with our, yeah, I did it a few years ago, quite a few years ago with TSN. And, uh, it, it's, we always worked from the studio, uh, in, in Mississauga, just outside of Toronto. Right. Um, uh, and, and it's, it's, a, it's, it's a lot better to be at the game live and our vantage point from the sport sports net desk there is fantastic. It's right above, uh, our goalie for two periods, you see the play come right up the ice. And it's, uh, it's great to be in, in a live environment. I mean, you guys saw what it was like last year, obviously, but, uh, you know, it's really good to be in that electric atmosphere and, uh, the game on Friday night when Kevin's uh, number was retired was maybe the best game I've seen there in, well, many, many years. It was such an exciting hockey game and the vibe in the building and just how exciting the team is. And, uh, you know, my, my favorite thing about watching the game of hockey has always been, uh, the playmaking and the passing. And our our team is just, I mean, amazing in that regard. Uh, we, we, we get a little loose at times, but that's okay too at this time of year, as long as you have the offense to cover it. And, uh, the mood after the game was just, uh, the building was, you know, the, the vibe in the building was fantastic. Everybody was just pumped. It was good for Kevin and, uh, you know, a great comeback, unbelievable goal. As you guys all know, I, mm-hmm. it brought me out of, brought me out of my chair and, I took three steps back and it was, that's not easy to do at this stage of my career. Uh, But I mean, it it was amazing. And then uh, Darnell made a great pass to Leon for the overtime winner. And I thought the the roof was going to blow off. It was fantastic.
1: Mac. the, the thing for me was this and, and it seems certain players have a sense for the dramatic. Um, I've never seen a better goal than that, not not in terms of an individual effort. There may have been some passing plays that are up there. But for an individual effort and for it to come on a night when Kevin's number is retired and with all those Hall of Famers looking on, I bet you a few guys looked at each other and said, did you see that? I mean, it was unbelievable the sense of timing that Connor McDavid has. Yeah.
0: I think everybody looked at each other and said the same thing, whether you're a hall of famer or watching your first game, it was uh, amazing the way knifed through those four attackers and some of the pictures that came out uh, that my kids have shown me on social media (laughs) where he's right in the middle of uh, four defenders and just knifes through those guys. And then I'm sure the goalie was so shocked to see him get through those guys that uh, he went to change and kind of put it in the empty net.
2: Hey, there's been some interesting comments. Oh, obviously, Daryl Sutter made some comments. He downplayed it. But I'm, I'm going to play something from Paul Maurice in Winnipeg when he was asked about it, and hopefully you he can hear this. Hang on a second. Here we go.
1: I don't even know. Sure. How do you teach four guys to defend against that? Well, when he just seemingly just I, I don't know like hold hands in the middle and then <laughs> dive toward your net maybe <laughs> that's high end coaching right there you don't have to show the guy because those four guys it's only been played 102,000 times so it would be completely redundant to bring it in your room and show them that clip they've seen it and, oh, and, yeah, that one's not dying for a couple of months right like that that'll be in year enders yeah they get to hang on to that one
2: so, so the question is,
1: you've, you've yeah, obviously, That's funny.
2: you coached a long time here. So would you just not even show that to those guys who just write that one off?
0: No, no, I would not show that to anybody, uh, on the team, that thing they'll have seen it enough, uh, by now. And that thing, as I said, is going to live in infamy for, for for years and years and years that, uh, they'll be in their sixties and seeing that goal. Um, Pete Peters, when Gretz got the, uh, what was it, five goals to get uh, 50 goals in 39 games. Yeah. Uh, so, I, I know Pete well worked for us for a lot of years, and he saw those goals a lot. Yeah.
2: And he also commented on the fact that he, nobody was happier in the building than him when the fifth one went in, because he was on the bench. Yeah. It <laughs> was an empty netter. He didn't have to, he didn't have to deal with that.
0: Yeah, that's 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 funny. Pete's got a good sense of humor.
2: And then from the Daryl Sutter standpoint, his team's gotta play this team a lot. And right now we're we're looking at a battle of Alberta down the stretch here because Calgary's playing great hockey right now. So do you think that's what he was kinda of trying to do a little bit was to try not to build it up too much because they gotta play the Oilers a lot.
0: I think that's just Daryl. He he understates a lot of things and uh that's that's part of his charm. Yes, I think uh, you know it's always been best for both Edmonton and Calgary when the other team is good as well. I mean, we 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 went to the top together, and I think that's that's healthy. And when no, those games become so competitive that it really is uh, a great uh, great lesson for future big games against whatever the op- uh, opponent. And as a coach, you want to see your team play in those big, big games. And the more big games you can play and the better prepared you are to play in them. And I think it's always been great when Edmonton and Calgary have been good together. Not so good when it, when they're both bad together, <laughs> but it's always, always great when yeah. they've been, uh, you know, for a lot of years we were the best two teams in the NHL. It looks like that's I mean, mm-hmm we're not maybe there yet but it was close.
1: Yeah. Mac, you, you just touched on something I was going to ask. Um we are seeing uh, things from the Oilers that we we haven't seen for a while. Uh, I mean, 9 and 1 is a great start, but a start is all it is. I understand that. But McDavid and Drysdale seem to have found another gear. I didn't know that that was even possible. Um this team looks like it's on the way or at least has the potential to, 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 uh, get something done this year. When you look at this group, do you see any of the same thing?
0: Oh, for sure. I mean, it's, it's, it's obvious to, uh, somebody that doesn't know hockey well to see the skill level and the things that these guys do. And, uh, you know, and, and then the other things you, you mentioned, McDavid and, uh, Seidel, uh but the, 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 the defense, the way they're moving the puck, Duncan, mm-hmm. Key's going to be really good. He's got a lot of experience. He's got a great head, great hockey sense. Bouchard is really moving the puck well to himself. I mean, I, I mean, he, he can, uh, he snaps it up quickly and they, and they make so many clean plays. Cece's played very well. Um, I mean, the defense has been good. Toskinen's been, uh, been been good too. I mean, he's off to a great start. I'm really happy for him. So uh, I don't know, I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing the Oilers face uh, a real button down tight team. Uh, Boston might be that test on this road trip for them. Right. St. Louis for sure too. Uh, just to see if we can score our way out of some of the defensive issues against some of the teams that don't give up that much.
2: It's really weird, and we've talked numerous times since, but you said something to me in 2006 during that Stanley Cup run where you were behind the bench talking about the goaltending and how it was so important. You had Roly going on a run, and maybe he'd have a bad or an off night, and there weren't many of them on that playoff run. But you were always asked if you were going to change the netminder. And you said, no, you got to be really careful with how you handle your netminders. Is it like that all the time? I never had a chance to ask you that in terms of, so here you've got Dave Tippett. He's got Mike Smith probably really close to coming back. Do you just keep running with the guy that, that's doing well for you now? Or do you realize that you got to have to maybe at some point throw Mike right back in there, even if Miko's playing well?
0: Yeah, I I would say that Mike's the number one guy. I I, I don't think any of that has changed. And, uh, that position is so mental Mm -hmm. that you have to make sure that if, if you have a clear number one, which the Oilers do in Mike Smith, that, uh, he's accorded, uh, uh, the starts, uh, commensurate with him being number one. And, uh, I, I would be shocked if, uh, you know, maybe Mike backs up a game and then plays, right. but uh, it, it, he won't back up two games.
2: Well, they do have to, they do have a back to back coming up here on is it what days are they toward the Thursday, lineup. Friday. That's right. So that would be a natural place to make that transition, would it not?
0: Yeah, I think so. Okay. Or or uh, or you play him uh, tomorrow night in Detroit if he's ready. So you know it. It just it just depends on the comfort level they have with how healthy he is,
1: Mac. Uh, I wanted to ask you about something Bob Nicholson talked about, and fans have been talking about it too, um, with Kevin's number going up, uh, you know, probably the last number to go up, you know, based on the Hockey Hall of Fame credentials until Connor and maybe Leon are just dis- you know are finished playing, but this wall of honor, you played in an era with a lot of good players. I mean, you don't win all those cups without a lot of good players. Um, who jumps to mind uh, in a scenario like that for you? Is it like the fans? Is it a Ryan Smith? Is it a Charlie Huddy? Is it some of the cup winning players that won't go into the hall first or some of the guys from the post-cup era? How do you How do you look at that?
0: Yeah, those two guys are at the top of my list for sure. I think uh Charlie Huddy yep. such an understated uh, person and uh so underappreciated as a player. He was so good and I don't think too many people know how good he was. I mean, the people that played with him knew how good he was, especially mm-hmm. Cough. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but 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 uh uh, Ryan Smith for sure deserves, uh, that some of the other guys of that era, Sean Horkoff too. He was such a good consummate pro and got so much out of his ability and was so valuable to our team. Uh, Alex Hemsky, mm-hmm. he'd be, he'd be uh, a guy that would definitely be deserving of consideration. I mean, that guy scored big goals and played big minutes and he didn't, but when the game was on, he he was at his best. You know, certainly got a lot of respect for him, but guys like that, uh, Jason Smith for sure, the longest serving captain in oiler history, which surprises a lot of people, but he was an unbelievable warrior and he would be on that list too as well. Uh, I'm sure I'm missing a few, oh, yeah. but uh, yeah, but those guys, uh, those guys were very important.
2: Hey, speaking of Jason Smith, th- there were three guys that I consider to be the all tough guys, and in, in terms of uh, the way they handle injuries, and obviously uh, Gator Jason Smith would be one of them. Ethan Morrow was another absolute horse, you, you, and Mike Greer. Just to think, uh, there got to be a few other guys yeah. that you can think of that would play through absolutely everything. Fogey was another one. Kevin Lowe. Kevin Lowe, yeah.
0: Kevin Lowe, for sure, yeah. I remember we shot up... Ethan Morrow had a terrible ankle, and uh, I don't know. I I can't remember what round of the playoffs it was in, Mm -hmm. but I don't think it was in the finals. But his ankle was awful, and uh, we... uh, he, he, he took some medication, uh, injections and went out and played. It was, I mean, it was, it wasn't the right decision to after, you know, he, he couldn't get through the game, but, uh, amazing, uh, strength and courage and, uh, ability to handle a bunch of pain to play and do what he could for his teammates.
2: And Greerzy with the shoulder popping in and out and popping in and out and popping. And it just, it never changed the way he played the game ever.
0: No, Greerzy was a tough, tough guy too. He was, uh, I mean, we had such great characters back in those days. I just assumed it was the norm, but uh, <laughs> yeah. we traded a few and got a few back and I uh, learned pretty quickly. It wasn't the norm. We were, I didn't know how lucky we were uh, with some of the people that we had and you know, we had uh, Stoley too, was a, a great character. And uh, you know, we had so many, so many good guys. Hey,
2: well, you're, sitting, you're sitting at the airport. We don't want to keep you too long, but so what are you doing at the airport? Where are you off to today?
0: I'm off to Toronto uh, to spend a week uh, doing a bit of TV with sports that. And uh, then Kevin's induction is on Monday, a week from today. So I'll stay for that, and then come home uh, Tuesday. So it should be good,
1: Mac. You know, I, I was I was watching over the tube, and um, maybe it's because he's had to wait so damn long for this. Um, Kevin was a lot more composed than I thought he might be. I mean, this is a very passionate man, as you know. Uh, and unless there was something uh, away from the public eye that we didn't see, I thought he was very composed. I mean, he, with these guys, you do the over-under. I remember running into Grant Fuhrer in the dressing room downstairs before he went out, and I thought, as soon as I looked at him, I thought, oh, this!" by the time he takes his mask off, he's <laughs> going to be balling. And, and, sure, and, sure, and sure enough, he was. Yeah. Uh, Kevin was very stoic. I mean, he's that kind of guy, but he's also passionate. Uh, were you surprised that he held it together so well?
0: No, I thought uh, he, he, he he looked at these two weeks on the calendar and he thought, man, I just got to get through this. Yeah. And uh, this is all going to be good in hindsight, but he's not a guy that really likes... Uh, all the attention on him. He loves the get togethers with the teams and all that, but this would have made him uncomfortable. He had a great, uh, he had a great line at the gala I'm trying to remember, uh, it, it, they asked him how it was. He said it was brutal, uh, but beautiful. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I thought that probably summed up the way he felt about it. He's happy it's over there. I mean, there's a lot of people in town and a lot of things for him to do. And he probably didn't feel that comfortable for the week. You
2: you know, what still amazes me. And that is when I hear people say they didn't know that you were such a great public speaker for me. uh, And a very good friend of ours, Brian Ross, who passed away from cancer. I still remember being in his service. You absolutely, knocked it out of the ballpark when uh, basically describing uh, the life of Roscoe because I, I, and, and I yeah. laughed so hard. And, and for me, that was a bit of an eye-opener. But your public speaking, again, was fantastic in talking about Kevin the other night. I need to congratulate you on that. Oh, and, thank you. And the other thing is, are you surprised that you have this ability? Because most people, it's the number one fear on the planet is speaking in public, let alone speaking in front of 18,000, people.
0: Hey, the only time I'm really bad speaking in public is when I'm not afraid of it.
1: <laughs> yeah, just take As it to the next Glenn level. Glenn
0: Saylor said, proper planning prevents. Piss poor performance. Well, exactly. Okay, yeah. i it. It's your show, you can say it. Yeah, it's your show, piss poor yeah,
1: performance. Yeah, exactly. Hey, and, and hey, credit where credit's due, that seventh best guy on the team was a pretty damn good line this weekend.
0: <laughs> yeah. that That was a good opener. Hey, uh, I ran that by Mark just because I didn't, you know, it was a little dicey.
2: How did Mess hold up through all of this? Yeah. Because he see, well, you got very emotional, obviously, at the, the, the gala, but he just seemed yeah. to let it wash over him a little bit. And uh, we all know how he is, but he just seemed to be taking yeah. it in and enjoying every second of it.
0: Wow, everybody, I love seeing him. He's He adds so much when he comes to town he just got so much life and energy. And you know, when I was uh, speaking the other night on the ice, you never know how it's really being received. And, but I could hear him just howling in behind me, you know, yeah. I just, okay, I'm just going to forge on. But he, he's, he, he adds so much. And uh, you know, he, he, he wrote a letter uh, that was part of the package that we put together to send to the, the hockey hall of fame and the directors. And it was just unbelievable what, uh, h- how he articulated how important Kevin was to him and the rest of the team. And man, it was, I was thinking I was going to put it at the end. And then when I read it, I'm going, this is the first page. <laughs> and he just, he, he, he's, he's a very, uh, deep thinker. I think most people know that, but, uh, he's he, he's uh just a fantastic person
2: you got to catch a flight have fun at uh, yep, sports thanks, net, guys. At, yep. and have fun at the hockey hall of fame induction next week and the other thing too congratulations to ken holland too because we talked so yeah, much we're talking so much about yeah. kevin that yeah. uh, kenny holland is often overlooked Thanks.
0: Kenny's thanks, probably happy about that too, as well. Yes. Cause he's another pretty humble character. Yeah. Uh, but no, I always like being on with the outsiders. It's been fun. Thanks, thanks guys. Man.
2: Well, here we go. It's the month of November. As expected, things are starting to slow down on the real estate front, but I got to tell you, it's actually going pretty good. I was chatting with Brent McIntosh at the, Macintosh Group at REMAX River City just the other day. He's off on a little bit of a trip to Europe, but he actually, as he headed out of here, said he's really surprised at how busy it's been through the month of October and now gaining a little bit of momentum into the month of November, which is great news. Now, perhaps you're still looking for a home as we head into the festive season. Get a hold of Brent and any of the team at the Macintosh Group at REMAX River City. They'd be happy to help you with the sale of your current home, or maybe the purchase of your next superstar, all you have to do is give them a call at 780-464-0075 or McIntoshGroup.ca. Start the process with a complimentary evaluation of your current home. No obligation at all, but uh, you know what? Give them a shout. Don't let the market pass you by. Both buyers and sellers are more than welcome to give them a shout. The Macintosh Group at Remax River City. Once again, that phone number, 780 780- 4640075 or you can find them at macintoshgroup.ca and tell them the outsider sent you. Okay, man, what an episode that was. We're just thrilled to get Craig McTavish on cuz we knew we didn't have a ton of time today, but you know, well, you know I was trying to think when was the last time we actually had a guest on by phone and I decided to look it up. You know the last yeah. guest we had on who's on the phone No, Craig Mutavish. And I'm thinking, well, he certainly has Skype. We know that. That's the old joke. Remember, I still actually defend that a little bit. Remember he, uh, he had to let Ralph Kruger go who was over in Switzerland, I think at the time. And he did it via Skype and people were outraged. Remember that? Absolutely Mm -hmm. outraged. And I thought, but, but wait a second. That happens all the time in the, in the real business world. Why would it not happen in hockey? Why would Craig McTavish jump on a plane, fly all the way to Switzerland for a five, ten minute conversation with Ralph Kruger to say it's just not working out?
1: Well, let's be honest, Bryn. I can only speak for myself here. The only thing that outraged me wasn't that he fired uh, Ralph Kruger via Skype. It's that he replaced him with.
2: Well, <laughs> yeah,
1: Dallas. Yeah. Dallas Aikens. Uh, hey,
2: listen, we all make mistakes. And I'm sure Mac gosh. would probably laugh that one off. Hey, But you know what? You take a chance, right? When you're hiring yeah. a new coach. You need them yeah. all. Yeah, you just, uh, it's, yeah, anyway. But thanks to Mac for coming on. It's always great. Yeah. And he loved the first interview we did. He said, Ben, we touched on some topics that were a little, a little tense, but you guys asked the questions in the right way. And I still <laughs> laugh about the uh, little episode he had with that one reporter in in uh, Switzerland, you and I actually played it on one of our podcasts. And as we played it, I could hear you just kind of cringing because we both knew where that was going. <laughs> right. And Craig had already put out the little warning shots, the little subtle warning shots about, please, let's not let's not do that. He's also no. the guy who told me, don't critique the wins. Yeah. If you want to critique the losses, go for it. But if you win a game rather than immediate, and unfortunately, this is where social media has gone. is that people have to be critical of everything, even after... Let's say, okay, Calgary Flames absolutely blew out the New York Rangers on Saturday night. I'm sure that Pat Steinberg had to deal with somebody trying to find something negative with how the Calgary Flames handled winning (laughs) 6-0. Why? What's the point? They they played really well. They took on a team that I thought had the heart just absolutely ripped out of their ribcage by the Edmonton Oilers the night before but they took complete advantage of the New York Rangers and they deserve to win that game. What this is the whole social media thing where people just want to go down that negative road every single time, which is one of the reasons why I I dropped off of Facebook recently is because it's my Facebook page. And if I'm putting my opinion out, I don't need somebody challenging me on Facebook. It just, it's my Facebook page. Get your, put your own opinions on your own site. It's just, this is how I feel about stuff. You're wrong. Go You're away, wrong. please.
1: <laughs>
2: anyway, it's uh, it's just the way it is. Hey, um, we got to talk about something that happened in the U.S. too this past week because last week we we devoted a lot of time to the Kyle Beach situation and how uh, how poorly the National Hockey League and how horribly the Chicago Blackhawks handled that. But we also saw another situation happen this week that just makes me roll my eyes. At fan behavior, but even more importantly, how a referee let a game continue along when it should have been stopped, Robin.
1: Well, yeah, I mean, I, it was, I want to say it was probably 10 days ago now, but it's still a topic for discussion. High school game in Pennsylvania. Um, And I don't think it was at either of the schools per se. It was at an arena where they could meet and play a woman playing young woman playing goaltender for one of the teams. And uh, this was not a a women's game. I believe it was a a men's game. She was a goaltender with one of the two teams and a chant started in the arena. There were two chants. Um, One, one chant was she's a whore. Uh, which was repeated over and over again while this young woman was trying to play goal. Yeah, And the the other one, uh, you know, Hey, it's a podcast uh, was suck my dick and a whole crowd chanting that to a player who's down on the ice below them. And this went on for some time. Now I don't get it for a lot of reasons. I don't get how, anybody would think that was okay that it was cute that it was funny that it was edgy it's not edgy it's you got to be an imbecile to think that's edgy um but to put that young woman in that position uh, and basically making it sound like a whole arena is coming at her yeah um and who stepped in? Was there not a school official, not a coach? Uh, and and look, and all the blame or almost all the blame goes to the people making this stupid chant. But at some point, I would have hoped because I don't want to lay blame to the secondary people. You'd hope a coach or a parent would say, that's it. The period's over. Go to the dressing room and either clear out the arena or if people are milling about and you can't handle it that way, the game is over. Uh, we're not going to listen to this. That didn't happen, apparently. Uh, I mean, I don't know what steps were taken after. I'm I'm told some of the people were were barred from going to games. I don't know how that holds up, but – yeah, I yeah, mean, right. we, we got a lot of work to do if that kind of thing is still happening. This Whoa. is high school. What about the referees?
2: The referee ultimately is the one who's gonna go, okay, this game's over. There's just no room for this kind of garbage. This game Whoa. is over. I'm sure a coach doesn't want to if a coach is gonna yell over at the other coach, listen, we we gotta this is not right. Coaches, I don't think, are gonna wanna get involved in that. Once again, we're back to that. But I the referees could have easily basically turned to both these teams and went, this behavior from this crowd base is totally, totally unacceptable if this carries on. And we'll even make an announcement. If you don't just shut it, we're stopping this. I don't know if it would have stopped it. Probably not, because if you're going to be chanting it, you're, you probably don't have, a, you don't have the brain cells to begin with anyway. But at least they would have given the fan base a chance to just shut it but I think the referees are the ones who ultimately had to shut it down. But then again, they might have been scared for the, their lives.
1: Well, here is the other thing, Brent. I don't know if it was that was the case. I mean, watching the footage, but and I didn't. The video doesn't show it clearly. Uh, my guess, though, would be there is probably a better chance that the coaches of this ho- these hockey teams were adults. As compared to the referee, you could have had yeah. somebody who was a student, a couple of students uh, who also officiate, you know, like you get in minor hockey. Yes. You get parents yelling at a 12-year-old referee. Yeah. This might have been a couple of 16-year-olds or one. I don't know how many officials they had. But you know what shuts it down right now in terms of this, this won't stand? It's both coaches who are in competition with each other, trying to win a hockey game, looking at each other and saying, don't care what the score is. We're unified. No, this is it. We're not playing under these circumstances. Yeah, I I agree with that. That would have been a good start.
2: It's funny you should mention about uh, young referees as well, because I remember going to a minor hockey game once because I had a nephew playing. And I heard, and it was Edmonton minor hockey week. They've got them all across the country. And I remember some parents going after this young kid who's 12. And one of the comments I heard, and this is what made me actually turn around and say something, was, you don't know how you're calling this game because these kids are trying to develop and you're harming the way they develop. And I'm thinking, okay, hang on a second here. This young official who's 12 or 13 is also trying to develop. One of the reasons why I never went after referees at the Western Hockey League level, even though that's a much bigger level, was because these kids are trying to get to the NHL, right, in the Western Hockey League. So are these officials. Nobody's perfect. No. Maybe that's the whole message here, but I, I, I'm glad we talked about it because it, the whole thing just made me sick, and yep. it just makes me less, far less comfortable thinking that the whole situation with Kyle Beach is going to be uh, resolved, and we won't have to ever be talking about this ever again. I just see too many... I see too many signs that this will probably be swept under the rug and, and I hate to think that way, but that's, how can you not think that way? It's only been going on for decades, right? So.
1: Well, Ah. I I brought, I brought this up before Brendan. I'll just say it one more time. I thought we were there. At least I hoped we were there Yeah. with uh, first the revelations about Sheldon Kennedy and second uh, on the, on the tagging onto that with Theron Flurry. Right. Um, I talked to enough people who'd been broken by this um, that, and I was just trying to do my job as a reporter that it affected me for quite a while. Uh, I know some people have talked about how, for instance, the Humboldt thing affected them. We, Mm -hmm. you know, our friend Ryan Rashog did some unbelievable reporting there and everybody who covered that story. I mean, that's where lives were lost, but you come out of a story like this and you think if we don't get it now, we're never going to get it. I know. And uh, looking the other way, this is the epitome of it. Now, this didn't happen at the National Hockey League level, but it's the same thing. It's uh, hear no evil, speak no evil, see no evil, um, unless it's right in your face and you've got no other choice. I didn't much like the reactions of the National Hockey League in terms of the tone of the messaging from Gary Bettman on down. It's too casual.
2: Didn't. That press conference with he and Bill Daley was way too casual. Yep. I, I needed it to be a lot harder ass than that one.
1: I understand the level of detachment. I yeah, you know, but Dean on the beat. You've worked in the league. I've heard Gary Bettman speak, sat and listened to him for a long time. He is not a uh, gather the audience in, win them over type of speaker. He's sort of. A little bit of a cold fish when he speaks anyway. Lawyer. he's uh, a lawyer. Yeah. There you go. Yeah. That's yeah. kind of redundant, isn't it? Um, I, I don't care what the tone is right now. The action is going to speak louder than whatever the tone is. And I know that's a cliche, but it's true. We need this to stop and we need to stop saying, well, this puts things in a new perspective. It shouldn't, it's been going on a lot longer than this. And it was going on a lot longer than before Sheldon Kennedy and Theron Flurry came yeah. along. It just wasn't a national story. Root it out, figure it out and make ho- hockey can be a little club with a team the network and the the dressing room and a group of players who are uh, considered a family but you can't have family secrets like the kind we've just seen yeah. uh, in this latest episode it's not it's not you're not betraying anybody by going outside the team or the locker room and bringing this to light in fact you're betraying somebody for sure by not saying anything god let's just get past it
2: i'm leaving the last word with you that's uh, well said hey make sure you check us out on twitter the handle's really simple it's at outsiders 2020 please follow along and please contribute i i see a lot of guys like our stuff but we'd love to get the feedback from you as well on any of the stuff that we post on our uh, on our Twitter account. Also tell your friends to subscribe or like or follow our RSS feed on any of your favorite ear candy sites like Apple, Google, Spotify, Pocket Casts, Deezer, etc. You know where we're at. We're also on YouTube, too. I record at the Road 55 studio in downtown Edmonton. I'm only about a block and a half from Rogers Place. Robin's a little bit further away in his luxurious studio in the southwest portion of the city of Edmonton. Once again, your uh, support is greatly appreciated, but the biggest thing, more than important, this is the most important thing for us, is with your support, make sure that you tell your buddies to retweet any of the stuff that they see or make sure that you pass along our RSS feed. That way we can keep growing our audience and uh, that retweeting to your buds is really an essential thing for us. Robin, thanks for your time today and thanks to Craig McTavish for joining us and we'll talk to you next week, right?
1: You sure will, pal. Castle.